Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's, uh, let's see, Wednesday, late morning. And uh, so he's busy here. Let me uh, do the Parsha now. Parsha Shmini. This is the second one being sponsored by Elzer Gutman of Mr. Italy. And uh, thanks for that. And now let me get right into the Parsha. Um, Parsha Shmini. And that is packed with stuff, as we all know. It so happens that. I looked in my shoal calendar. The bells of calendar. Tomorrow there's no talking because tomorrow is the uh, yard site of uh, No Melamelech. It was a biggie. Uh, okay. So that led me this morning just to pull out the No Melamelech, which I usually don't do. I can't say it. Uh, and I saw something interesting in the parsha. I'll share with you by by way of contrast. Uh, I'm somehow related to the No Melamelech. I never quite figured it out exactly. I'm about to tell you something very funny. So I wrote my sister in Israel, and I said, because I know we have some Yichas books somewhere. I said, how exactly is this? I know it's distant, some kind of distant relationship. And my sister, Debbie, she she uh, went on to Genie. You know, I'm not into that stuff. <clears throat> but, you know, you can do anything nowadays if you know what you're doing on the computer. This is just funny. And I get, she sent me the results of her inquiries, and... It, <laughs> it comes out like this. Here's a letter I just got from Jeannie on the email. Dear David, the Rebbe Elimelech Legensk, listen to this. Rebbe Elimelech Legensk is your half-brother-in-law's wife's niece's husband, seventh great-grandfather. <laughs> I'll say it again. It's your half-brother-in-law's wife's niece's husband, seventh great-grandfather. Holy cow. Uh <laughs> They can do anything with the, uh, with the uh, you know, genie stuff, genealogy business online. My goodness. <clears throat> I remember it a little bit differently, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, <clears throat> you know, the Nomelamelch obviously is one of the greatest of the Rebbes. And <clears throat> make a long story short, <clears throat> I was thinking of uh, in today's, whenever it comes to Parsha Shmini, every year, I'm always reminded of a famous vart, which I would call more of a Litvish vart. And I'm going to do that. But and contrast it with a Hasidic vart. Two different ways of reading the same thing. <clears throat> One is the classic Kleokert I always say every year. It's also Rabbeinu B'chai, it turns out. I'm sure the Kleokert didn't know. Rabbeinu B'chai said it. And that has to do with the beginning of the Parsha, when you have the dedication, the inauguration, of course, by Yom HaShemini of the Mishkan. And you have the inaugural offerings. And Hashem says to Aaron, I want you to offer a set of certain karbonas. And he says to B'nai Yisrael, I want you to offer a set of karbonas. The one, one is to inaugurate Aaron as the Kohen Gadol and all that bit goes along with that. The other one is to inaugurate the relationship between the Jewish people and the B'nai Shkon, on the other hand. <clears throat> Aaron, of course, as we all know the story from Rashi, is feeling very ashamed because he recently made the golden calf. Uh, 
he could get out of it by saying they made me do it, but you know, a tzaddik doesn't do that. He takes responsibility. That's the heart of the void, as we'll see. And so Hashem says, "Kichula egel ben bakar lechatas vayel l'shlamim." I think that's how the pasuk goes. Bel ben Yisrael to dar to darberly mar kichu sirizim lechatas veegel bekeves leola. So egel egel whoa, uh, he just made an egel as of. So I'm sure the people are saying, "Why should Aaron have the right to do this?" Even Moshe Rabbeinu, his brother, as I told you before, really believed deep in his heart that Aaron was guilty of making the Eglah Zov, until Hashem and Parshat Tetzavah cleared that up by precisely by naming Aaron Kohen Gol in perpetuity. That's the Medish Rabbah. That's Guvah Devot. So after that, Moshe said, if Hashem said it, okay. Because only Hashem is Bochin Lavavas. But, you know, it, did, it didn't look good. And now, in front of the whole public, Aaron is supposed to bring an eagle as a chatas. What a bummer. It's that Aaron was bosh, pusha, you know. Uh, it's embarrassing. You see, ad kedekach, that Moshe had to say, kravel amizbech vasei. New step forward. These are your orders. Gilakach nevcharta, you know, this is why you were chosen. You're, you're, for whatever reason, Hashem has picked you. Wouldn't have been my choice. Moshe says, I would have picked me. As we all know from Parsha Tetzava, but Hashem picked you. So Kravel is Mizbech, Vasei is Chatoscha, Vyasoosach, do the Karbonas. But what's going on over here? So there's a Gavaltic Kliyakar who says that if you notice, Aaron is instructed to bring an eagle as a Chatos. The Bnei Yisrael, on the other hand, Klai Yisrael is instructed to bring an eagle as an Ola. That's interesting. For Aaron, it's Egel as a chatos, and for Klai Yisrael, it's Egel as Ola. What's the difference, he says, Kliyakar, between... I remember this. I haven't seen this in years, but it's one that sticks in my mind. <laughs> he says, what's the shot of a chatos? We all know that a chatos for a shogig. If you do a carbon bemaze, uh, you do an aver bemazed, you can't even make a chatos, because your sin is too grave to be expiate, excuse me, expiated by a mere offering. If you did Beshogeg, so you didn't mean it, it was criminal negligence, whatever, so then you can bring a carbon. <coughs> now, let's contrast that with an Ola. When is an Ola brought by a person? Not the Tzibur, a person. The answer is, he's never required, it's never a Chova. It's always an Adava. And it's Ola's basically for Machshavah's uh, Rose. Okay? Machshavah's Rose. Which is precisely why that can only be an Adava, by voluntary. Because how does anybody know what you're thinking? If you have a from a genuinely from person, and he or she thinks, oh, I had bad machshavas about somebody or, or, or something, so okay, then um, only he knows, and he will then say, I want to expiate this by bringing a carbonola, which is, of course, Khalil talked to the whole thing is burned up, as we all know. Uh, so you get nothing out of it. And that's a certain expiation offering like you say like this, me, myself, and I, it's my conscience, me and Hashem. So, to reduce it to simple language, achatas is when you had a bad pu'ula, but not a bad machshava, because it was a shogig. And ola, by contrast, is when you didn't have a bad pu'ula, because you didn't do anything physical, but you did have a bad machshava. Okay. So, it's irony, so like this, you bring an egg as achatas. In other words, you had a bad pu'ula, but you didn't have a bad machshava. You did, but Make the golden calf. 
but you didn't believe in it. You were trying to hold the people back, as as, as we all know the story. So you didn't believe in it. It was Olaf. You have to atone for the Pa'ula, but not the Machshaba. So Hashem said, I realized what you were trying to do. El B'nai Yisrael said, but before you Jews, you idiots, start, you know, uh, uh, hawking about Aaron, and he's a sinner, all the rest of it, which is what Jews do. Hashem said, B'nai Yisrael said, you bring a carbon Ola, because you believed in the golden calf. You understand? You made Aaron do it. You pressured him to do it. You actually believed in this stupid thing. So, don't point to him. You have the bigger Avera. Uh, that's a great part because it means that in the inauguration of the Mishkan, it's very typical of the Kliyakar, God punctures the uh, balloon of hypocrisy, which is always the uh, you know property of the Hamonam. They're always hypocrites and they blame someone else for their own sins. Get it? It's always somebody else's fault. It's never me. Now, everybody's listening to say, He's, Katz is right, except, of course, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but that's how, that's one way of doing the, the pussy. It's a very good word. Now, the Nomel Melech, being Hasidic and super duper, so comes there from a different angle. He's not the only one, but I happen to open the Nomel Melech today. It's actually in a Rizal. And he says like this Kravel Mizbech Vasei. So uh, it says, Shayaren Bosh. He quotes the Rashi. So again, Moshe says, Why are you ashamed? To the point he's making is like this. When Aaron is, has a busha, Moshe brings like this. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. To have busha for something you did wrong is a high madrega. The trouble nowadays is nobody has busha. Like I said, everybody's pointing the finger at someone else. It's never my fault. Tell me what politician you ever heard of in your life who said, I made a mistake, I screwed up. I never heard of such a thing. And not only when they're in office, but afterwards when they write their memoirs, all the rest of it, oh, I did everything perfect. Everybody's autobiography, I did everything perfect. It was Plony's fault and Plony's fault. There's no such thing as taking responsibility for one's actions. You know, instead you're always blaming someone else. Like they say in Yiddish. Yankala, why did you make it in your pants? Shlemy did it. <laughs> you see? Can't admit anything. But you, Arab, can do so. Okay? Iker who lo'adam abusha. Simitosh lo'adam shi baishan. Komas baish lo'adam In the Jewish religion, we hold a sense of shame to be a very high madriga. I can tell you as a teacher, you see a student who's ashamed for doing something wrong, I can automatically tell they come from a good family. They're well brought up. You see a kid who won't admit anything on any circumstances, I can see who the parents are. Yeah, I can see who the parents are. And so Aaron did so. But Aaron whom is Baish Ma'od, Migol Achnosh Oisapo, he says, No Melamelch, that Aaron had this big busha. She came there, Chatzadik, Shatan, Benab, Chotim, Onding, Avera. Chatzadik is always ashamed, even for Avera, little or big. In Aaron's case, I wouldn't call it little. So this is a great thing. Not only, now this is no Melamel talking, not only because it is a good thing in and of its own, meaning that it is a good um, characteristic for a person of a sense of busha to feel shame and depression, but even more so, it has a public educative value because it encourages others, the Hamonam, 
to also own up to their mistakes and feel a sense of busho, as he puts it over there. Uh, he brings here huri chuba to the ones who are listening. The fact that Klai's are also iron ashamed, at least some of them say like this, oh, it's okay not to be a politician and to always look for someone else to blame. It's okay, it's good for someone to own up to their own mistakes. Okay? And that's why Moshe said, Loma Tabosh, Bishwil Pirish, Bishwil Shatabosh, Viare, and Kinat Tad Sadek Ashon, Haroy Likar Mizbeach, the Kachnev Harta. Hashem chose you because you have a Busha. Okay? Shakach Roy Sadek Liskarev. And as he says over here, the people say, In Barazan Nafal Shalabis, Mayaz Azubikir, which is a famous Pusik, which means it happens to the biggies. Then certainly happened to the smallies. So a big Sadi can say he messed up. I can say I messed up. Right? I can say I messed up. Now, ordinarily, you think the other way around. You say, oh, I can mess up because I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm a little guy, but a Sadi can't mess up. But you see, a Sadi can. Okay? Now, this is actually funny in the Hasidic thing because by them, I never heard of a, of a Rebbe saying you made a mistake. I, I, I'm not a Bucky. Usually the Hasidim that I know, the Rebbe is perfect, infallible, all the rest, they have papal infallibility. But Aaron was a Hodavala Bosch. Now, actually, it was was a Bosch. We find the same thing, ironically, this is for a literary uh, critic analysis. Aaron was in Busha, and then, of course, uh, Moshe, not the same way, but, of course, later on comes that famous incident after the death of Nodonavil, where a fire consumes them. Very interesting, by the way, I don't know if I spoke about this before. Some will learn Pashim Shot that they their bodies got burned to a crisp. Uh, just for the heck of it, myself, I pulled open the Arya Kaplan, you know, who usually is going to follow the Pshat, I guess, or something like that. And I say, What does it mean? But Tate's Ishmael of Hashem, you know, Batochal is Is that what it says? I think so. Batochal is. Uh, and he translates it fire came forth from before God and it consumed them <clears throat> they died before God so the words before God are very interesting what do you mean a fire came forth from it doesn't say I mean, that's actually a very heavy passage but I'm not going to go through in a very heavy way anyway I'm looking at Ari Kaplan and so what do you mean so he quotes the Rajbam from the Kodesh Kodashim. Okay, so that's a very typical Pashtani type fart. Milifnei Hashem doesn't mean before the Lord, but be, but you know, out of the out of the Kodesh Kodashim. No, it's out of a physical place. So it's like a movie. Whoosh! Like a flamethrower. Shot out and burned them. Literally burned them to a crisp. Uh, or it came down from the sky. That'd also be whoosh! A fire came down and burned them. You find this sometimes in the um, Torah. Uh, remember Elioh and Navi, they wanted to arrest him, and he sent down a fire and burned these guys. So Bashad is they burned them like in a movie, to a, like a flamethrower hit him and burned them to a toast. Uh, some say it came down like a flash of lightning. Josephus says that, he says, in the Antiquities, which means Josephus wrote his book way before the Mishnahis was ever even written. So uh, that's how you know he would explain it to an audience long ago. Lightning struck him. Uh, However, by con- so that's the plain meaning. 
But the t- teaching of Chazal is Gufan kain benishmos nesrefus. That actually is not what happened at all. No fire burned them to a crisp. Their bodies remained intact. Gufan kain benishmos nesrefus. Then Hashem was burned. In which case, milifnei Hashem is a spiritual expression. Then it's very meduyach. Mateis eish. An ash came out, but not a physical fire. So it consumed their neshama. So basically what that means is they were standing there and then they dropped dead right on the spot. Like that. Like two people having a massive heart attack on the spot. Young, healthy guys, nothing wrong with them whatsoever. Not They had no bad medical history. And boom, they just both dropped dead. Right after having offered this ash zara. And that's expra- explained in the terms... All right, fine. So, and by the way, it's a very uh, gripping image that externally everything's fine, internally it's it's, it's consumed. Uh, rabbi Hertzberg, was rabbi they showed for me, has a safer where he said, this American Jew, he wrote this like in the 1950s. You know, it's a goof on communist Muslimist reference. He's a big critic over there. And indeed, it's I mean, for whatever this is worth, I saw on the internet yesterday, I don't know if it's going to happen, the Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, which is the headquarters of the Reform ever since the 1870s, uh, is going out of business. Gufenkheim and Nishmas and Nisrefis. It's interesting. They're closing shop. But whatever, you know, where they train the rabbis. Anyhow, um, so you have this uh, story over here. And then the aftermath, which is so interesting. Because Moshe, as we all know, tells the uh, relatives to take the bodies out. And they do, because you can't have corpses in the sacred precincts, okay? And then what happens? And then, he says, eat the carbonus and so on and so forth, uh, meaning it's a public occasion, you can't do aninas, you know, uh, this is on the Gemara, and says, I remember, I did that part for Arthur, actually, and so on and so forth. But then, when it comes to the carbon chatas, that's the gripping part, because of a sirachatas darsh to nisarov, Moshe found out that they uh, that they hadn't eaten the chattas, but had burned it. Vayitzov, and he lost his temper, which is just interesting. Al Elazar more, and he lost his temper and screamed at Elazar and Isamar. Really, he screamed at his brother. That's what Rashi says. It's just a lashon covered. And he said, Madulo Why didn't you eat the carbon chattas? You know, um, and and because after all, it's part of the ritual of atonement. The Kohanim have to eat the, the, the thing of the Chattas for the Kapar to take place. That's what it says in Shmos. Right? So, Osu no San Lechem no Seisa Bo no Chapar Levene Chachem. Right? Hainu was Dimo Kosh Panim. It wasn't Puzzle. Ochel Tochlo Semakosh, you're supposed to eat it. So, Moshe blew up and screamed at him publicly. And Aram answered back and he said, What? Hainu Yom Ekrivas Chattas Samba Salam Nashem. We did the, the, the Karbonas today. I did it, my, by the way. And my, my kids died. You think Hashem would like it? Since we're not in the Simcha mood, it just lost a terrible clop. Uh, uh, to lose two kids. You think Hashem would like it? And Moshe said, you know, you're right, I'm wrong. As Rashi famously says, He was willing to say, you're right, I'm wrong. So that's interesting on several levels, Right? On several levels. Um, on the one hand, and you know the Mepharshim all go to town with this sort of thing. Uh, uh, first of all, Moshe agreed with him. You know, that's number one. So he just screamed at him, but then he said, you know, you're right and I'm wrong. So that's 
Moshe didn't mind doing that. And that's what we consider part of Onof Mikolodo. But it's also true that it can be interpreted in, in different ways. I have in front of me the English Mikras Kedolis from the, what do you call it, the JPS thing, way up at the bottom. I didn't find it in Gersan of these, but it, they quoted in here, so it must be, in, I guess, not in the Schumish part, but in the philosophy book. How come Moshe messed up? Because how come Moshe didn't realize this? That is a very tricky business because it's not actually commanded. So we have here a case of, of fallibility, not infallibility, but not in the regular way because it was stuff that was not commanded. It, it, it's a matter of what we would call Torah Shabbat Beth, applying the rules to new situations. Uh, they were told to eat the carbon chattas, but nobody discussed the situation. What happens if a fire kills two chattas somebody's kids in the same day, you know, and he's a coin guttle and all the rest of it. Because you can never have, in the Torah Shabbat Peh, that's the reason Torah Shabbat, you can't have every case listed in the Chumash. This is one of the cases where it was like a new case. I realize that happened very early in, in the history of the Torah. I get that. But it did. And so Moshe thought you should do this way, and Aaron gave a good argument the other way around. Uh, so it says Gersonides, which would be the Ralbach. I imagine it must be in the uh, in his philosophy book. What is it called? Milcham Hashem. Moses' intellect was fo- so focused on higher matters that at times it prevented him from turning his complete attention to more practical temporal affairs. So that's interesting. The Chassid reads the story in a Chassidish way. The Ralbag reads it in a high philosophy way. And Moshe Rabbein was always masig in high in, um, abstract concepts in Maimonidean style. But this is Gersonides in Gersonidean style in um, super abstract concepts, which is the height of what a human being is supposed to do, Legabi Hashem. And therefore, as he says... At times, he prevented from turning his complete attention to our practical temporal affairs. This was the reason he needed Aaron to communicate with ordinary people. <laughs> right? Moshe tried his best to deal with Hamon Am, but at the end of the day, you can't deal with all these, uh, what do they call the family um, counseling, you know, the things that Aaron did. Because Moshe uh, was willing to talk to anybody, but, you know, he can't handle all the Fartrade cups that the whole Kali Israel had. For Shalom Bais, that's the word I'm looking for. For Shalom Bais. And Aaron was the one who did that. So it was like a, 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 a tag team. Moshe handled the super high intellectual philosophical stuff. And Aaron, who was not, in, you know, I mean, I guess he was slightly inferior to Moshe, but, you know, he was also holding up there. But he was more, you know, handling the Hamonam type stuff. Uh, because, uh, let's put it this way, he can't do both at one time, I guess. Uh, you know, there's learning and there's not learning. I saw the other day, now that Rav Chaim Kanyeski passed away the other day, somebody wrote me, he said he knew Rav Chaim, and something like, he said, give me a bracha, and Rav Chaim Kanyeski says, give me a bracha that people shouldn't bother me to get, that I should give them brachas. Because he wanted to learn, you know. So, <laughs> and it took up a lot of his time. So, the, the, you, you, you you can't double task, I perhaps that's the right way. So Moshe handled the... Uh, heavy uh, intellectual stuff, and Aaron handled the practical stuff, and that's the way Aaron said like this, I just had a real case that the two kids, none of them have died, and that would not be a right state to do so, and most of the that's interesting. Now, here's the thing, here's the, in my mind, very, very interesting thing. Um, very interesting. Aaron was mechadish, okay? As I said, it didn't say before what happens in such a case. Should he eat or not? Aaron was mechadish. Hayita beni Hashem. Considering the circumstances we find ourselves in, is this the right thing to do? To eat the chattas now? 
So that's new. So that's Mamash Toshalpeh. Based on the rules and based on I understand everything, I would paskin, I would say, that given the facts, it's not appropriate to eat the, the, the Chattas. That's why we burned it. Moshe originally, originally, I repeat, originally, didn't think that way. Moshe said, if there's a din, the Ochlon Samash Kupa, I'm the Kawana, I have to eat it, no matter what. Once he heard Aaron's word, he said, oh, you So it's very interesting because, again, I have all these commotion around me. And just for the heck of it, because it's such an interesting uh, uh, story, and there's so many angles. So um, I'm putting in Steinzels here. They have no, a new Chumash. That's not from Steinzels, it's his operation. But he had a good voice. It's just, I'm, I'm glad I pulled this out like 10, 15 minutes ago. And listen, li- listen to this. Uh, because none of the Navi also tried to be Mechadish, get it? But they got zapped. And Aaron was Mechadish and was not zapped. This is what he says, quote, The presentation of this incident sheds an interesting light on the nature of the sacred and the service of the temple, as well as on individuals involved in it. Certain spon- spontaneous deviations from the ordained service are considered a strange fire. Notice, none of an abuse. A breach of the sacred for which one is severely punished. While other deviations, no less personally motivated, meaning our own's not eating the carbon, are granted divine approval. Because it says, Vaitav Be'enov. Specifically, Aaron's strong intuition that it would be inappropriate for him and his sons to partake of the sacrificial flesh despite the lack of any divine instructions to that end, is granted divine approval, and ultimately is established as permanent law. Because the Gemara Zvachim, in the first, you know, Perik, said that's a din, what Aaron said. Uh, this meaning, it got incorporated into what you and I call the Toshavah This incident offers insight into the balance between the requirement to fill all divine commands and all their details, and the need for people to sincerely address new realities and respond appropriately to them. That's, that's a nice formulation for what we call the Torah Shabbat Pet process, which means you're always facing new situations, provided a person is doing L'Shem Shemaim and all the rest of it, which, as you see from the story, Aaron certainly was. He wasn't simply coming off as selfish, he, because Moshe was moted to him, right? Moshe was moted to him. Uh, then... Then it's the right thing to do, and like I say before, Hashem approves because it becomes incorporated in Torah and the halacha that we have today, and the Gemara is welcome, and the Rambam, and so on and so forth. So it's a fine line. You always want to keep to the old stuff, but there are times and situations which may require some new psak or some new mahalach, but you better be sure of what you're doing and that it's not an H zara. It's very interesting. Now, it would be pompous of me to say that none of them were punished because they approached it in a pompous way and Aaron approached it in a in a hachno way, you know, in a humble way. It seems that would be, but I don't know, because, you know, the, when it comes to none of there are two schools of thought, that they're super tzaddikim or, or the opposite. So it's impossible to work your way through all that uh, conclusively. But it's, it is interesting, right, that you find... That uh, uh, Aaron was Bosch, and then later Moshe was murdered, but he wasn't Bosch. It's interesting, you know. He, 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 
it didn't bother Moshe. Understand this well. Moshe is standing in front of the whole Kali Yisrael. They all witness what happened. Moshe goes and cusses out Aaron. And so he really put himself out there. And Aaron gives him a reply. And Moshe is like this. Oh, you're right. Hodavalabosh means he had no uh, hang-ups publicly saying, you're right, Moshe wasn't built that way because he was because he was on a Mikoladav, which is unusual. It didn't bother him to say, okay, you're right, I'm wrong, no, no, no problem. But other people aren't like that. So anyway, you, you, how do you know? And this is an answer I'm giving, a question I'm giving, there's no answer to this. When it's when it's proper to do a new Mahalach and not follow what you thought the Torah was saying, and how do you know when it's the opposite? And it'll cause you to be goof and kind nishmos and nisrefes. Uh, a rabbi could do a good speech on that. Because in Jewish history, you know, we found different mahalachs, and, and, and some of them turn out to be eshzaras, and vatokhalosam, and sometimes the opposite. They turn out to be new mahalachs, and vaita beinov. So, uh, I mean, just think, for example, chasidus. Which didn't exist because there's no melamelch. Maybe you think about that, you know. So you see that it worked out, uh, you know. It's worked out, but you also see other groups in, in Judaism. It didn't work out. <laughs> they got goof and kind of in this preface. Uh, that's plenty of material for any rabbi to give a good sermon this Shabbos. Once again, I want to thank Elizabeth Gutman for the second of this uh, sponsorships. Uh, we need a few for the coming days. Uh, and with that, I wish you all good. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.